0: We want to welcome our guests. Uh, we have several guests that are with us here um, that are family, friends of uh, those that were being baptized. And uh, we just want to say welcome uh, to the Gateway Church. We would love to have a Uh, A chronicle of your visit if you'd be willing to fill out an information card and uh, and just leave it at your chair or uh, bring it to one of the ushers that would be wonderful Um, but Dennis there's uh, there's several just kind of riddled around Uh, if you just if it's your first time here never been here before and we have some other guests that aren't here for baptism but are here for the first time as well just slip up your hand and uh, we just let's give them a welcome all right yeah all right good we got a a nice young couple here and another young couple here. Good. All right. We'll make uh, Dennis run there for a minute. While he's doing that, and uh, while you're filling those out, we got just a couple of announcements. For those that are interested, tonight, weather pending, uh, we're going to have volleyball tonight at Grand Haven State uh, Park. Uh, It starts at 5 o'clock, and uh, we're going to, throughout the summer, uh, every Sunday night, meet there. Five o'clock, if you're interested in playing some volleyball, um, and uh, we want to invite you to do that. The three exceptions are for the three all church cookouts that we're going to do, and that one of those is next. Sunday, uh, June 13th, and uh, we're going to be meeting. The details are in the bulletin. Um, At at night, that night, five o'clock, we'll eat at six. So you come at five, hang out, throw something on the grill that you bring, and uh, we'll get things going and have a good time. And uh, we'll pray and eat at six and uh, lots of games, and it'll be a really, really fun time. Also, next Saturday night, as a pre-bonfire, is at the McNeil's for the college and career. And if you're in that age group and want to uh, join uh, the gang, we want to encourage you to do that, and uh, it's at the McNeils again, and the address is in there, and uh, Melissa, just uh, wave your hand back there. If you have any questions, you can see Melissa, and we also wanted to invite anybody that is just graduating from high school, and I know we have a couple that are in that uh, circumstance, and you're just kind of leaving high school, you can join them uh, as well. All right, um, a couple quick other things as the ushers come to receive the morning uh, tithes and offerings. Um, we have an outreach meeting tomorrow night that you are invited to. Every single one of you, we love for you to come. We're going to meet right here in the sanctuary. We're going to have a brainstorming meeting to talk about how can we reach out and make a difference in our community uh, the best. And so we want to make sure that you're aware of that um, uh, to, uh, and to be planning for that. The last thing is that today um, we are blessed that uh, that we are, the rain is going to hold off for us. And I'm saying that by faith, right? We kind of set up outside. If we need to, we can bring it inside. But we would love for you to stick around for our connection lunch right after church. And uh, many of you brought things to add to it. If you didn't bring anything, don't worry. Still stick around. We got hot dogs and hamburgers. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just a chance for us to connect together and to, to be together as a body of believers. And I understand that we've got a little surprise for someone this morning. It's a little,
1: exactly. Um, yesterday we had, I think it was the fifth annual, fifth cup. Yeah.
0: Golf outing. It's great. Out at um, uh, Brigadoon. Brigadoon. Yes. Yeah, 44 of us out there. there. Was 44 of us. It was Pastor all, was there. I oh, was there. And, um, a bunch of many us. Many of us
1: was there. Jason. And yeah. Tony. <laughs> and Greg. And But Pastor, you had to leave early yesterday. I did. And there, there's multiple prizes you get for di- for different activities. I won longest some. Longest drive, um, closest to the hole on a par three, and things like that. And I got you one know, of those. You can see, Pastor's Quite a, I have to tell you, I didn't get the longest drive this year. I didn't get it last year either. But, uh, <laughs> Pastor. Yes. You didn't get the longest drive. Either. <laughs> what? But you did. You did win a. Win I, a
0: prize. I did win something.
1: For the shortest drive. Oh. And you can talk to him afterwards. He may tell you how short the drive is. I'm not going to.
0: And so you got me this nice pink water bottle for the shortest drive. It's just, I, I can feel the love. I can feel the love.
1: I was asked as a deacon if I would come up and share. Wow. That
0: wow. Well, I think you've overstepped your bounds. You better get back to your. your... Oh, man. Well, Reagan will probably like this, or Jessica, and Jessica, you can have that. <laughs> or maybe I'll put it as a trophy in my office, I don't know. All right, well, uh, let's, let's thank the Lord uh, for the opportunity to give this morning as we receive the offering. Dennis, why don't you pray this morning as we give? Lord, <laughs> you are you are gracious, you
2: Walk around the city of Bandung, there are young people everywhere. These young people do not have a purpose for living. They don't have a purpose for being. Indonesia does not give them a reason to live because it's so difficult here. So they really have nothing to live for. We have to do what we can that'll share with them there is a reason to live, and the reason is Jesus Christ. Terry Pascal felt a burden for young people in Indonesia. With only a handful of Christian students among thousands of Muslims, he saw the need for a ministry that would reach out to the four universities in town. The future leaders of Indonesia are studying in these universities. One of the desires in our heart was to touch the college campuses. God's going to raise up campus ministries on these campuses to touch young people with the gospel of Jesus. God has led Terry to students with open hearts. Many who were dissatisfied with the religion of their parents have found a relationship with Jesus.
1: When I came to this school, I met some Christians, and God began to reveal Himself to me through their lives. If I'd never come to this school, I wouldn't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. But as I've been here, God has been purifying me and changing my life.
2: It's been exciting for us to interact with these students and to see how God is touching their lives, to see how God is leading them to touch other students that have a different belief from them, have different faith from them,
0: and to touch them with the gospel of Jesus. Cool. A little report from Indonesia. And uh, we have been showing little clips each week as we've been in the series that we are titling Proven. And uh, for those of you that are, have not been with us, I want to bring you up to speed um, just to, to take a, maybe three or four minutes uh, to do that. We talk, we're talking about missions over these last couple weeks and looking at uh, the idea that missions is a proven uh, way. The first week we said that Jesus is still blessing missions. And so it's a proven way for us to grow in our walk with the Lord as we look outward instead of looking inward as individuals and as a church. We said that the result of looking outward beyond ourselves, um, it brings us to a point... Uh, of spiritual health and spiritual growth and you say well why does that why is that the case it's because as we look outward as we look uh, beyond ourselves we start to get a picture of what god sees and what is most important on god's heart is you and me people are is what most important hold on one second excuse me and uh, so we've been talking about missions. So it was a proven idea uh, that, that missions is a, uh, is a way uh, to, to receive blessing into your own life as, as you look out. We kind of derived it from the story of David and Goliath. And for those that are familiar with that story... Um, in the Bible, there's this giant, 10 feet tall, and then this little shepherd boy, David. And David uh, goes to defeat, or goes up against, in battle, against this giant. And they load him up with armor. And uh, and you can just imagine a little uh, young teenager with all this armor that he's never worn before. And he's saying, I can't go fight the giant like this. Instead, He chose a proven method that he knew that God could bless because he was skilled in it, and he went to the river and picked five smooth stones, the Bible says, and he ended up slaying the giant with a slingshot and with a stone, And with one shot, um, got the giant. It was a proven method. Instead of saying, uh, taking the advice of all of the, the ones that were in the military, all those that were, were fighting men, saying, hey, you're going to need some armor, you're going to need this. He says, no, I'm going to trust God with what I know is true. And we know in our lives that missions is a proven, uh, uh, proven area in our lives that will bring blessing back to us. Last week, our second week in this series, we talked about the miraculous nature of missions. And the reason there's the miraculous involved in missions is because we're partnering with God. It's not us, it's God that is doing the miraculous. And we talked about the provision, uh, the miraculous provision that God provides, and it's His resources. After last week, I, uh, I heard this story, and I wanted to read it. It's from uh, Harry Truman, uh, one of our past presidents. Um, but he tells a story that on a particular day, his, uh, uh, a family was, was building... Some crates for clothes for his church to send overseas to China uh, for an orphanage. And this family was building these crates and uh, they were sealing them up and the people were loading them up with, with, uh, with, different, um, with different clothes and with different supplies. And what happened is that the guy that was building the crates, that earlier that day, he had just spent twenty dollars. This is back in the Great Depression. Twenty dollars on a new pair of eyeglasses, brand new, never never worn before. And he had put them, and I don't have a pocket, but he had put them in his pocket um, while he was building. And before he sealed up the last crate, he was reaching down and didn't realize that the glasses slipped into the crate. And they pounded it closed, and off to China, these glasses go with with this box. The story goes on to tell the guys, like, man, what in the world? You know, it was already gone and didn't realize it until after it was shipped. And he's saying, God, I've been faithful. I've been serving you. How could this happen? You know, $20 is a lot of money uh, back then. And he's saying, man, what in the world? Well, on the other side, on the receiving side in China, the story goes on to tell... He said, well, I'll just read it because it's, it's so great. It says, uh, he says, uh, the was great height. Uh, Grandpa had six kids, spent $20 on this, on this glass. He says, months later, the director of the orphanage uh, was on furlough in the United States. He wanted to visit all the churches that had supported him in China. So he came to speak one Sunday at my grandfather's uh, small uh, church in Chicago. "'The missionary began to thank the people "'for their faithfulness and for supporting them. "'But most of all,' he said, "'I must thank you for the glasses you sent last shipment. "'You see, the communists had just swept through the orphanage, "'destroying everything, including my glasses.'" I was desperate. Even if I had money, there was simply no way of replacing those glasses. Along with being, uh, not being able to see well, I experienced headaches every day. So my co-workers and I had been in much prayer about this. Then your crates arrived. When my staff removed the covers, they found a pair of glasses lying on top. The missionary paused long enough to let the word sink in. Then, still gripped with the wonder of it all, he continued, Folks, when I tried on the glasses, it was as if they were custom made just for me. I want to thank you for being part of that. <laughs> can you imagine the miracle uh, for that missionary to receive those glasses? And, uh, and uh, just a neat story told by Harry Truman, and, uh, and Phyllis uh, uh, had snagged that and said, you got to read this in light of last week's message, The Miraculous Nature of Missions. And uh, later this week, we're hoping to have the, uh, these messages online. If you've missed or would like to hear those and let God just uh, speak to you, you can do that but today i want to know i want you to know that in my mind in my heart it is proven that when you live with a missions mindset it is absolutely hands down the best way to live when you have a heart for missions a heart of outreach looking beyond yourself in ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 written in the message bible it says this, it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ, He had His eye on us. He had designs for us, for glorious living. Part of our, uh, part of the overall purpose He is working inside of us, in everything and in everyone. The point is that God has a plan. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has a plan for us to live gloriously a wonderful life. And I believe the best way to live and to re- to achieve all that is through a missions-focused life. Now I'm wondering how many of you, if you took a second, would could maybe identify someone in your life or maybe someone that you know of or maybe even someone nationally um, or someone that you haven't met, but there's someone in your life that you uh, may envy a bit. Maybe there's someone uh, you know, at the shop that, uh, that you know, it just seems like things go their way Maybe it's a national figure, like someone like Mother Teresa, and you say, man, if I could live like, like that um, and give back the way she did. I don't know if any of you would be interested in uh, the Nobel Peace Prize winners, or maybe there's a Bible character that you've kind of studied and, and looked at and saying, man, I, I'm a little envious of that. Sometimes it's an actor or actress, someone that, that maybe in their favorite movie, or you see the way that, that people live, and you say, man, I'm a little envious of that. Or maybe it's an inventor, someone like Bill Gates, who's just loaded with cash. And whether it's for money or for power, maybe a person has influence. And you say, man, you, know, you look at them and say, wow, um, you know, boy, I, I'd like to be like that. Or, or, or boy, I wish I could have half of what they have. Or maybe there's someone in your life that has had great impact in their life. And you say, whew, maybe it's a missionary. Maybe it's a, uh, someone else that you're close to. Or maybe it's an athlete. Uh, how many of you guys like sports, right? I, I know I do, and uh, maybe there's an athlete that you look at and you say, "If I was just as tall as you know so and so, or if I was just built a little stronger, if I had, uh, if I you know was just a little bit whatever, um, you're a little envious." Boy, those people they really know how to live, you might say. Well, I, I was thinking this week that I kind of want to be a person that others could look at my life and perhaps that they would be a little envious. Not in a prideful way, but I'm thinking to myself, boy, I'd love to live in such a way that when others look at my marriage, they look at my kids, the way that they're raised, or maybe the way I spend money or uh, generosity, or maybe they would look at the impact that my life had, and they would say, man, you know, boy, that that would be cool. I'd like to be like Pastor Ben. I don't know. And I thought, man, is it possible for me to live my life in a situation where I am achieving my full potential, where people could look at me like that and say, wow, I'd like to, to be like that? I read something this week, it kind of described our lives as a candle, and each of us are one candle. And while we're living, that candle is lit. And it's kind of described, it says, uh, said this. It says, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it where people are dying in darkness than in a land which is flooded by life, by light. And the question I had was, how am I going to spend my life? Will I be purposeful in the things that I do, the places I go, the way that I raise my family, the way I spend my money, where people could, could look and say, wow, I'd like to follow that example. Now, many of us may have envious thoughts or, uh, or, or look on someone and say, man, I love to, to do that or to be that. But when it comes to life, sometimes we fill our lives with someday mentality. Someday, things will be better for my life. Someday, I'll get caught up with my work long enough so I can spend some quality time with my family. Someday, I'll earn enough money so I won't have to worry about my bills. Someday, I'm going to uh, uh, gonna get to, to, uh, better, into better physical condition. Someday, I will be and have a better relationship with God and experience more of His goodness. And it's someday that'll happen and not today. But I want you to know that today is your day. Today is the day that God wants to start a new chapter and to see your life start making an impact or continue to make an impact. Some of us struggle with our purpose. We talked about it a little bit earlier. We flounder a bit. Maybe it's because of our past. Maybe our family history or maybe a generational curse that's been kind of over our family. Maybe our lives have been plagued with alcohol and drugs and addiction. Maybe we've grown up in a situation of poverty, and we're saying, I will never get beyond where my family went. Maybe you struggle with depression or anger or low self-esteem. Whatever the case might be, if we have a lack of focus and a lack of direction, it will lead to disappointment. If we don't believe that we can be more than than what we are today, we can start to flounder and we can start to to struggle with our purpose and with our destiny. And I believe that many people miss a proven way to live their lives, a proven way that will bring blessing back to them. And I believe that proven way is to live with a mission's heart and to live missions-minded. There's two stories in the Bible that just captured my attention this week that were great examples of two men in the Bible that that did live with a heart after God. The first one is David's life. We talked about David and Goliath, this little kid uh, facing Goliath. But David was, before that happened, I don't know if you know this, but when he was young, he was anointed king over Israel. And it's kind of a neat story. won't take the time to look into that. But he was anointed as a future king of all the people of Israel. And David was a shepherd. He was out in the fields, and uh, he he learned to play uh, the harp and was a quite skilled musician. And uh, you could almost imagine... one day Saul, the king at the time, was having a hard time. He's saying, I need someone to come in and sing to me and and play some nice music. And uh, they did the whole American Idol thing, and David won. And he ends up in front of Saul, playing the harp, living the life. Can you imagine David's friend saying, man, you're lucky. Look at you. You get to go sit with the king and play. And I'm just imagining David as a young boy saying, wow, well, wow, God has really favored me. But David loved God. He was watching the sheep one day, and a lion came by, and he ripped off the lion's head. Now just think of his friends when he hears about this or sees the lion that's destroyed. They're saying, man, I'd like to be like David. Can you imagine it? He did the same thing with a bear, and then he comes to the story of Goliath, and uh, they're saying, look, whoever defeats Goliath will get the king's daughter, and David's like, well, I'll go. He grabs the five smooth stones, and he whips them up, and boom, nails them. He's taking the head back, cuts off the the, uh, giant's head. He's carrying the head back, and and can you imagine his friends? Wow, if I could be like that. Wouldn't that be great? Look at David. Holy smokes. He just cut off the giant's head. And now he gets the beautiful daughter of Saul. Holy smokes. And uh, I'm sure there may have been some envy. David was a mighty warrior. In fact, uh, they talk about David's mighty men uh, and, uh, and And David, if you read through, and I've been doing that this year, reading through the Message Bible, and reading the story of David is just exciting, passionate. And the thing about David that I love is that David trusted God, he loved God, he had a heart after God. And then David was crowned king. Imagine, again, his brothers, his family, thinking, wow, look at David. Good grief. If I could be just even half of that, boy, wouldn't that be awesome? There's another story and another character in, in Scripture. When you fast forward to the New Testament of Paul. Paul, of course, was educated, right? Uh, one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet. And, uh, and he had this great conversion. Uh, God called him on the road to Damascus, knocked him off his donkey, blinded him. And, uh, and he went in and, and God uh, called Saul to him. And got, uh, Paul or Saul at the time gave his heart to the Lord. They changed his name. And, uh, and when we read of Paul's life, there were signs and wonders that followed Paul's life. Everywhere he'd go, the shadow of Paul would hit someone that's crippled, and boom, that that person would get up, and and Paul went out, and uh, the Bible talks in Acts about three missionary journeys. Paul's life, everywhere he went, he had influence, he had impact, he built the church, his life was full of adventure and some danger. And I can just imagine people that were living in Paul's age looking at Paul saying, wow, Look at what Paul has been able to accomplish. And you say, well, what was the key for Paul? I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I think we see a part of the answer of why Paul was so effective and why Paul had so much impact and why Paul and David as well, why their lives were so exciting and why that I believe that they were living at their full potential. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says this. It says, he's describing himself. He says, so I fix my eyes... Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It says that Paul was looking at the things that you can't really see on this side of eternity. Now, the things that are seen, you could fill in the blank in your own life. The things that might capture your attention Maybe a car or a, a jet ski or a boat. It could be a um, uh, you know a, a, some sort of electronics. Maybe a cell phone or um, I don't know what you guys would would be into. A golf club or I know some of you were looking at that pink bottle, saying mm, I would have liked that. But uh, you know whatever it is. But what Paul's saying is the things that you can see, the things that you can touch. You know our homes, our our, you know, our, our cars, the things that, that, we, that some of us put a lot of attention into, those things are temporary. What Paul's focus was was on the eternal, the things that would last forever, the things that wouldn't you can't see with your naked eye. And his focus was on what God wanted. And the same was true about David. David's life was consumed with the heart of God. And I believe that when we consider Paul, we consider David, they were missions-minded in their own right. Now David had some trouble, and I know some of you are thinking, boy, David caught himself in, a, in an affair with Bathsheba, and then tried to cover it up, didn't work, so he went out and had his, uh, her husband killed, Uriah the Hittite, and so now he's guilty of murder and adultery. Sure, David's life was not perfect, Paul had his own trouble of his own. Uh, the Bible talks about a thorn in his flesh, and we're not sure what that is, but there was something that kept on getting to Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, talk about trouble that Paul said. It, it says that Paul was pressed, hard-pressed on every side, but he was not crushed. He was persecuted, but not abandoned. He was struck down, but not destroyed. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, And if we took the time, which we're not going to, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about Paul boasting in his suffering. He's saying, look, I have suffered more than anybody for the cause of Christ. And he was kind of boasting, but he's saying, look, I've been passionate. I've been looking at what is eternal, not at what we can get our hands on on this life, money and fame and success on this side but on what is eternal. And again, were they perfect, David and Paul? Not a chance. But did they have impact? Absolutely. They had a mission's heart. And I kind of describe a mission's heart as living with God's heart on purpose. Living with God's heart on purpose. They took up their cross. They were following Christ. They dropped everything. Because they knew that what was most important was eternity. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story that some of you might be familiar with. It's the story of the rich young ruler. This story talks about a guy that had it all, literally. Wealthy beyond belief. You could compare him maybe to a Bill Gates type character in these, these days. A man that had everything, and he came to Jesus and said, "Look, I've followed all of your commandments, and I've done all these things, but I don't have purpose. I don't have. I want to know. I want to know what does it take to follow you." And he's floundering, even though he had it all on the outside, the things that are seen. He was loaded. He could have bought anything. Could have went anywhere but he was looking for purpose. And the rich young ruler went away sad that day because Jesus said, look, all you have to do is sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, what's interesting about that story is that the rich young ruler, he didn't understand God's kingdom. Because in God's kingdom, when you give, what does the Bible say happens? It's given back to you. And so what... Jesus was offering to the rich young ruler was for him to experience even more than he ever would have had. Now, you, there could be, I've heard people argue that, that, you know, Jesus wanted the rich young ruler to even be richer, uh, to have more even on this side of eternity, which is quite possible. I don't know. But for sure, what was, Jesus was offering to the rich young ruler was to have impact on the eternal side of things. To make an impact, not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. And I want you to know that each of us have that offer to us. Just like the rich young ruler, Jesus is saying, look, go sell everything and come follow me. All right? They're saying, don't worry. What we're saying is, and I'm not saying to go home and sell everything necessarily, unless God tells you to, but, uh, but what it's saying is, look, give your heart to me. Don't hold anything back and follow me. And I believe that that is the best life that you could possibly live. And I think for today, for you and for me, this is your time. This is my time. Today is your day to start or to continue to live life with a mission's heart, looking outside yourselves. I believe it's the proven that it's the best way, absolutely, to live. And some of you I know are still saying in your heart, man, me? Could I have impact? Could God use me? Am I, is there worth? You're not an accident. Your life matters, and how you live your life matters to God. And I believe that really... You will never be totally satisfied with life until you focus on what God wants for you, like Paul did. His focus was amazing on things that were eternal, that had eternal value. You fix your eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's where impact happens. And I believe that you can choose in your life to either live for something or to die for nothing. And I'm asking you to consider, to choose, to live for God's purpose, for God's glory. See, the fact is, is that the moment within the first two seconds of the, when we arrive in heaven, whether we're taken by the grave or whether we're captured up with God in heaven, I believe that there will be Almost immediately, the question, man, why did I place so much importance on the things that were temporary? What was I thinking? Why did I waste so much time? Why did I waste so much energy? Why, did I, why was I so concerned with the things that don't last? And we'll be faced with this reality that what is the, the only thing that is really important is eternity. I ran across something this week as I'm kind of bringing things to a close this week from Billy Graham, something he said in 1972 before I was born. He said, God, this is Billy Graham, quote, God has given us two hands, one to receive with, the other to give with. We are not cisterns made for hoarding, So we're not supposed to just gather, gather, gather. We are channels made for serving and for sharing. And if we fail to fulfill this divine duty, if we fail to do what God has created us to do, and the privilege that it is to do so, we have missed the meaning of Christianity. We are not cisterns made for holding. We are channels to be used for serving and for sharing. It's our divine duty. It's a privilege. And if we haven't done that, we've missed the meaning of what it means to be a Christian. See to me, if I in reality, if I'm one candle with one light, and that represents my life and while I'm living on this side of eternity, it's that flame is burning. The reality is I want to be in a place where I can bring some light into some darkness. I don't want to just be around where there's light and where my light gets washed away. I want to make impact. I want to shed some light in some dark areas, in people's lives, in this community, and in our world. And I want you to consider yourself, your life, being just that, a candle. That each of us have the opportunity to live an exciting, passionate, life-changing type of life. But I believe that comes truly with a missions mindset, looking beyond ourselves, taking the eyes off ourselves and our own situations, and looking out. Look with me real quick as we close, as I close, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 this is the prophet Isaiah. This is an interesting verse. There's a great song that, uh, about this, but it says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple." This is a vision that Isaiah is seen. Says above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At this point, what we're seeing is a vision of God's glory. He's seeing a picture of what heaven is going to be like. Then he says... um, uh, at the sound of their voices, the, uh, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. "'Woe to me!' I cried. He says, "'I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty.' Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had had taken with the tongs from the, from the altar. With it he touched my mouth.' And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. At this moment, what is happening is Isaiah, in this vision, he's having a vision of his own sinfulness. And then one of the angels is coming down and taking a coal and saying, look, you are clean. You're, you're, You're made clean. You are whole. So he understands, man, I'm nothing. But then the angel says, look, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then verse 8 says, then I, said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, here I am, send me. I believe at that point, Isaiah is getting a picture of the needs of the world. He's saying, look, I I see the, the brokenness. I see the hurting people. I see the lostness all around. And when God said, who will I send? Isaiah said, look, send me. I will go. I will make an impact. I will do what I can. But what's interesting is if you back up, before we go, before you might go to make an impact, we must know God more intimately. We need to know God inside our hearts. David was a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Paul, the same way, in Philippians 3.10, it's, it says that I may know Christ and know him in the power of his resurrection. He had a longing, Paul did, just like David. And I believe that each of us, for, in order for us to make the impact that we may desire, to look outside of ourselves, we need to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, to know Christ intimately. And I don't know this morning where you stand, You may be here for the first time and you're saying, boy, this is a different type of service. Or maybe you've been here for months or even years. Maybe you've been here longer than than Jessica and I have been here for the three and a half years that we've been a part of the Gateway Church. I don't know. And you're saying, I'd like to make a difference with my life. I'd like my life to have some impact. And what I'm saying this morning is if that's your desire, if you're a little envious of David and his heart after God, if you're a little envious of Paul or others um, that would be great giants in the faith, maybe a Smith's Wigglesworth or a Billy Graham, if you're saying, man, I'd love to have part of their impact, it starts with knowing God and knowing Him intimately. And this morning, I just believe that God is inviting us into that type of relationship with Him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and to, uh, to prepare our hearts. Um, we, we have just a few moments before we'll uh, break and uh, enjoy a meal together. But more important than the meal or the time that we'll spend laughing around the tables and and uh, eating good hamburgers and hot dogs and feeling gross later, no. But more important than all of that is right now, your heart and your life. And as you consider your life as a candle that's burning, you say, well, I've given my heart to the Lord and, and so I'm lit up, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing right. But where are you taking that candle? Are you making an impact? Are you knocking on the doors of darkness, letting your light shine wherever you go? Or are you more timid and saying, "Ah, I don't know. I'm afraid to do that. I'm not sure what my coworkers would think if I brought up anything about God or Jesus. I believe that God wants each and every one of us to have a heart like his, concerned with others, concerned with the lostness of those around us. And in order to have that kind of heart, we need to experience God in a new way. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Father, this morning I just pray that in these next moments, God, that we would understand your heart, your purpose for our lives. Lord, if we have struggled with the past, God, with addiction, if we've struggled with poverty, if we've struggled with low self-esteem, or if we've struggled with any area that would keep us from pursuing your dream for our lives, God, we are laying that at your feet this morning and asking that you would just touch us. In a similar way to Isaiah and his vision, Lord, I pray that you would take a piece of coal, hot burning coal, and put it into our laps. Put it, burn it into our hearts, God where we would feel your power and feel your presence in our lives. God, I don't want to live a life that has low impact. And my guess is that the others here that don't want their lives to slip away without making an impact as well. God help us this morning as we spend some time with you in Jesus name this morning if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you're away from God like Adam and Diana were saying man we gave our heart to the Lord at one point but boy we never were living quite right I want to give you an opportunity before we do anything else To surrender. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I need to know for sure that if I were to die today, that I would spend an eternity in heaven. I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. If you're ready to receive God and everything he has for you, just slip up your hand saying, yep, pray for me, pastor. That's me. Yeah. Thanks. Who else would be honest enough to say, man, I know that I'm lost. I don't have a relationship with the Lord. You know what the Bible says is that even if you have one sin, it will separate you from God. But there's good news is that our sins can be taken away, that we can be forgiven by the power of Jesus. And if you want to experience that power and you want your sin to be taken away, just slip up your hand and join this other gentleman that raised his hand. Say, that's me. Yeah. I'm going to take a step of boldness and going to ask that you would participate in something with me. If you're sitting next to somebody, I'm going to ask that you just ask them in the brief moment, say, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And if they say yes, you can smile and say, well, praise God, and turn to the other side and ask the other person. But if they say no, I want you to ask them, are you ready to receive Jesus? And then if the answer is yes again at that point, I want you just to stand where you are all right, and, we're, and both of you stand. All right, so just do that for a moment. Just right where you are, say, God, help me in this moment. Just turn to your neighbor, say, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? All right. And if they said they do not know, Jesus is their personal Savior. I'm just going to ask that you would just ask them another question. Say, would you like to receive Jesus? And if that's the case, I want you to stand right where you are with them. Anybody at all? We just want to give you that opportunity. All right. All right. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for your saving power. And God, I just pray for the, the gentleman that raised his hand wanting to. know for sure. Lord, your word says that you never leave us or forsake us. And God, I just pray that you just bless my brother in Jesus' name. Lord, just be with him. Help him, God. Help him to know your fullness. And God, we ask this for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Now for the rest of us, I want to take a moment and ask you, like we've been talking, to consider your life and the impact that you may or may not be having in regards to eternal things. You may have it all on this side of eternity. You may, uh, from the outside, look like you have it all together. But if you're not making an impact on eternity, what is it worth? There's, it's worthless. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, Paul said. And I just want us all to consider the impact that we potentially could have. Could we have a life that others would look at our lives and say, man, I would like to make an impact like Jason. I'd like to make an impact like Jessica or Jonathan. I'd like to make an impact like Joe or Whoever, if you desire for God to use you, not only on the temporary things, but with the things that will truly last, I just want you to stand right where you are. All right? If you're saying, God, help me to make an impact with the eternal. Yeah. Just stand and say, God, help me make an impact wherever I am. Help me to focus on the eternal, not on what's temporary. Give me your heart. Help me to live life on purpose with your heart, a missions heart, an outreach heart. God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want us to sing this song talking about worship and experiencing everything God has for us. If you're standing, the way you make an impact is by knowing the Father, by knowing Jesus intimately, by growing in your walk with the Lord. And let's sing this song about... It's a great song about going past the outer courts, going into the Holy of Holies about experiencing everything God has for us, and then we'll pray and close. Let's sing that together.